The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus answered, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. For although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, Such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all of you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden Light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we were created by God, from the first moment of our creation in the womb, We were created to search. We were seekers. We were striving to find something that seemed to be lost. Life is that way. We may not think about it very often, but we are always seeking. Maybe something small, maybe something of great importance. When we are children, that search takes different forms. Children may climb trees or run up hills without ever realizing that they're seeking something. People like to swim underwater or explore caves because they're seeking something. In the first case, perhaps climbing trees or running up hills, we're seeking the transcendent, something far above ourselves, in fact, infinitely above ourselves. In the case of exploring caves or swimming underwater, we're seeking mystery, the ultimate mystery, mystery that we ourselves cannot solve. But all of the seeking in our lives, all of it, without exception, if it is for something good, is in the end a search after the one being who can fulfill us, and that is God. We may deny it or ignore it, 
We may search after simply material things and forget what they are telling us. But we're still moving towards God. That's what our Lord meant when he said, although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. And so we come to know him if we're open to it. Why would we seek for human love? Why would we want to seek a spouse or a family? Except that we want to experience something of God, whether we know it, admit it, or not. We want love. And that love is beautiful, but it isn't meant to be the final love. It's only meant to point to something else, as everything else does. The beauty of a sunset or trees or flowers are all pointing to something beyond themselves because they can't satisfy us. We may look at them for a while, but only for a while. And as we know, things pass away in our lives too, don't they? Things we search for, some things we find. But then they pass. Either they get old or we become bored or we simply can't do that anymore because we we lack the strength and the energy. But we are still moving towards God in all of it. Even, in fact, especially in the midst of suffering. And it's strange that two things that God did not create, suffering and death, we brought them into the world. Uh, God made redemptive. In fact, the condition for life. We had attempted to ruin his creation. He, was, he wouldn't let us. He wouldn't even let us ruin ourselves unless we insist on it. He would constantly reach out to us and tell us, no, you've forgotten to seek me. Now start again. Sometimes that's even what suffering is for, to get us to turn around again and to focus on him and where we're going. I've often had people say to me, particularly people who are up in years, as was Evelyn, that they would say, you know, I don't know why God still wants me here. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, the answer to that is you're doing what God wants you to do. You're serving him as you're supposed to serve him. Whether that's for a year or two years or five or 50 or 80 or 90 or more, you're doing what you were called to do. This may not be what you had in mind, I've often said I think that there are many people in nursing homes who are serving God far better than the rest of us are, even though they may not realize it. Until finally we come to death. And death then decides everything, depending upon our willingness to respond to the love of God and to the search. I I always say at funerals, and when we, when we die, we go to look into the face of God. And we will see ourselves for what we really are. We will see beautiful things, hopefully. We may see some things that are not so beautiful, too. We cannot canonize people at funerals, but if someone has lived a good life, attempting to do the will of God, responding to it as they know it, we believe that they will eventually come to look into the face of God. And God will transform us. He will rip away those things that were not of him if we are open to it until we can finally look upon him as we were meant to. Which brings us 
to Evelyn, who is now past that moment of death, towards which we are all moving. Some of us are closer to death than to birth, and some of us aren't. Uh, but Evelyn was someone who was seeking. You all know that. Your family know that. You, or maybe you don't. Because usually the people we're closest to, we never think of in those terms. Uh, we, think, we think of them with love, and we, we like being around them, and we admire them. And but we don't really think of them as seeking, but they are. And you know that because of the way she wanted to live. The way we live tells us what we're searching for. And you her family know her best. She was a woman, again, who really loved not only her family, which she did, she, she loved family get-together, she pointed that out in her obituary. She loved to be together with her family. Uh, but there was something more in her life, too. This is always something we have to point out because no one else will talk about it. She was, above all, a woman of faith. She believed, and not in something vague, either. She believed in the faith as it was revealed. And she was going to live that faith as best she could. And it was only in the last several months, was it August, did you say, Anne, that she finally couldn't go to Mass anymore. But she would come, and she was going to be here. She wanted to receive the Eucharist. As you know, Catholics believe that the Eucharist really is the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. She wanted to receive him. She wanted to be with him. And if you thought she was a wonderful woman, it wasn't because she was simply naturally wonderful. Few of us are. In fact, none of us are really just naturally wonderful. It was because of her faith. That's what transformed her. And because of the Eucharist she received. There was a certain, maybe it was just her age, but I always thought of a certain innocence about her whenever I would see her. I'm not quite sure why I thought that. But she had that kind of smile that suggested innocence. And even as she was, as she was beginning to become forgetful and not to quite realize what was going on, she was here and she wanted to receive the Eucharist. And there were certain things she liked to talk about that would stay in her mind, and you know what they are better than I do. In fact, she would very, so very often tell me over and over again as she was leaving here. I mentioned this the other day when in the nursing home. Uh, she would say, you know, I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm sure she told everybody that, and more than once, too. Uh, she, wanted, she wanted to drive that point home to me but she was from Wisconsin, and by golly, I got the impression that she thought Wisconsin was really quite something and the place that everyone should have lived at least once in their life because it, it was one great state. She must have just loved her home state. Um, but she was here for years, 45, I think, in this parish, um, with her husband, Kenneth Joe, and she wanted to experience the fullness of what she was seeking. And now we've gone into death, and we believe that's where you will find it. Also, there's something we must mention. Throughout her life, she understood the meaning of human sacrifice. If she hadn't, you wouldn't be sitting here. Because you can't be a wife and a mother without understanding what it means to sacrifice for others. And you wouldn't have had the reading for that either if you didn't understand that, and she didn't understand that. She was willing to give herself for that very reason. That was what life meant to her, was giving herself for those she loved. Uh, and then to, as life went on, she had to deal with the sacrifice and the pain and the suffering of being less, less independent, becoming more dependent upon others. That's always painful, too. And then again, with the forgetfulness, um, 
But all that was part of the journey, and part of her journey to the Lord, who really takes our suffering, and that's how he transforms us. Because God loves us, he often will really turn the screws on us to test us and to bring us to himself. When you and I test somebody else, it's usually because we want to feel superior or because we don't trust them. When God does it, it's to, it's to raise us above ourselves to something greater if we're willing to accept the test. And that more often than not comes in some form of human suffering. And he gave us the example of what it means and how important it is and the fact that it's redemptive. As I said, you might have thought that Evelyn in her last months wasn't doing much for, for anybody. Actually, she was doing a great deal, even though she herself probably didn't realize it. She was. She was more united to Christ in his suffering then than perhaps she'd ever been. Uh, but she was in all of her life. So, now, uh, Evelyn, we commend you to God. We commend you to the Lord who created you. Uh, we commend you to the God who has loved you. He will now go to look into his face. And remember, the Lord expects to recognize us when we come to him. He said that. We want him to, to, to recognize us. We don't want him to hear him say, I do not know you. But to recognize us because of our journey towards him and because of the love we have had for him on that journey. And so I think we can say, Evelyn, although we cannot canonize anyone, and we don't know what journey is left for you yet, actually, eternity is going to be a journey too, to ever greater beauty moment by moment, we commend you to God, uh, believing that he will certainly not fail to recognize you. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For Evelyn, who in baptism was given the pledge of eternal life, that she may now be admitted to the company of the saints, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord hear our prayer. For our sister, who ate the body of Christ, the bread of life, that she may be raised up on the last day, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our deceased relatives and friends, and for all who have helped us, that they may have the reward of their goodness, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who have fallen asleep in the hope of rising again, that they may see God face to face, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the family and the friends of our sister Evelyn, that they may be consoled in their grief by the Lord, who wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all of us assembled here to worship in faith, that we may be gathered together in God's kingdom, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. God, our shelter and our strength, you listen to love, the cry of your people. Hear the prayers we offer for our departed brothers and sisters, in particular forever. Cleanse them of their sins and grant them the fullness of redemption. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.